There's a promise found in the scriptures that said all things work out to the good of those who love the Lord. But what does that actually mean? What does it look like to love the Lord? Let's talk about that today on the THP Online Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to the THP Online Community Podcast. I'm Dallas, your media pastor here at The Healing Place. We're so glad you've hit the play button today. Today's podcast is going to be bit interesting. Whereas our promise is found in Romans, our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge, is actually going to take us back to the book of James to help kind of build a foundation for where this verse lives and how it interacts with our lives. I really do want to encourage you to take some time to take some notes and really dig into what the Lord is saying beyond this message. Let us know how we can pray with you. Let us know how we can encourage you. Let us know how we can help you take your next step with your walk with the Lord. You can find us on any of our social media platforms. Just look for THP Shreveport or visit our website, thpshreveport.com. Lastly, I do want to invite you guys to check out our brand new podcast that we just launched called The Midweek Move. In this podcast, we take time to walk through the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and really discover what the Word of God says in context and with a practical application. You can find this podcast on Facebook by looking for Midweek Move or on any of your favorite podcast catchers. Just look for Midweek Move. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and get back to us. Let us know your thoughts on that podcast. All that being said, let's get into today's conversation. Hey, thank you guys for welcoming me to wherever you are today. We're going to be in the book of James, James chapter four. Now we're kind of flipping this upside down of what we normally do. We're beginning in the book of James, but we're going to end with our promise, which actually is in Romans chapter eight. So today we begin in James chapter four. And if you've never read James before, this book is amazing. It's very deep. Although it's not very long, it is very deep. There are a lot of life lessons we can learn learn from the book of James, but James chapter four and verse one through 10. Now, if you're one of those people like, man, I'm taking notes, I'm taking notes. I need a title. What's the title? Title today is no room, no room. Okay. Now, James chapter four, verse one, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your own members? So where does conflict come from your life? That's what James is asking. And he's saying, listen, it comes from you. It doesn't come from everyone else. It comes from inside of you, inside of me. Verse two, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covenant and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. He's like, your motivation is wrong. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Again, your motives are wrong. Then he says, he goes deep and he says some pretty strong language here. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He's saying, listen, when you make friends, friends, intimacy, intimacy with the world, not talking about people, but talking about the spirit of the world. That's anti-God, anti-Christ. When you, when you are intimate with the spirit of the world, then you are committing adultery against God. He says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Catch that. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace, man. Aren't you thankful for more grace? Come on, put that in the chat right now. More grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We're going to come back to that. We're going to, we're going to 
We're going to circle back to that, that phrase. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. These are things that we are supposed to do. God has already provided everything that we need. Now we need to submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. This chapter, the first 10 verses of this chapter is a lot about what we're doing. James says the root of conflict, the root of conflict is not with other people. It is actually with God, his kingdom, his character, his nature, that it's in opposition to our nature. That if we don't submit to God, it's our temporary pleasures versus his eternal promises. We've been talking about the promises of God are yes and amen all year long. It's our temporary pleasures versus his eternal promises. It's our immediate need versus his everlasting purpose. Like, God, I need this right now. And God's like, no, I got a greater purpose in mind, not just your need, but I'm thinking about everything. I'm thinking about every everyone. God's viewpoint is so much bigger. It's our limited mind versus his infinite thoughts. It's our unforgiveness versus his desire that none should perish. It's actually our conditional emotional love versus his unconditional covenant love. And really when you boil it all down, it's our will versus his will. Man, has God ever tried to just talk to you, speak to you, even reading his word and your will was just punching against that going, man, I'm not going to do that. Like, and maybe you weren't intentionally saying, I'm not going to do that, but you didn't do it. (laughs) And so, you know what you were saying with your life, with your actions, I'm not going to do it. It's our will versus his will. Paul said to the church in Ephesus in the midst of social and political turmoil, which we can all kind of feel that right now, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenlies. He's saying, listen, we don't fight this with our will, with our flesh, with our things. There's a different thing going on. You know, we say it all the time here. It's one thing to know what's happening. It's another thing to know what's happening. Like, What's happening here on the ground, on earth? What's happening in the heavenly realm? That's what the spirit of God gives us access to know what's happening in the spirit realm, to discern, right? To discern what's happening, what's really happening, not just what I'm seeing, but what is really happening in the spirit. So how do we fight this battle spiritually? How do we break the strongholds in our own hearts and minds? How do we leave no room for the devil? Boom, there's your title. No room. How do we leave no room for the devil? James is laying out like a a textbook answer for how to leave no room for the devil. Here's number one. Now, I said this is going to be a little bit different the last couple of weeks. There hasn't been a number one, two, three. But number one, give no opportunity. First Peter 5 says the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour, right? He, he walks around. He's sneaking around to consume you. He's trying to figure out, is there an opportunity? Basically, what's happening is the devil is looking for an opportunity. He's looking for an opening so that he can come and he can deceive you. He can steal from you. He can take from you. And ultimately, he can destroy you. He's looking for an opportunity, just as he did with Jesus. 
Jesus is baptized. He goes into the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes in for a time of testing. He's fasting. He's not eating. And what happens? Guess what? Here's what happens. He looks for an opportunity. He begins to show Jesus different things. He's looking for an opportunity to see if Jesus may give him a little bit of an opportunity. And Jesus gave him none. Be alert. The Bible tells us all the time, stay alert, be alert. Be alert in your mind, in your heart, guard your heart, guard your mind. Be alert. Do not live according to the flesh, but in the spirit. Listen, when we refuse to live in the spirit, we position ourselves in opposition to God. Catch that. James said it. He said, listen, if you're friends with the world, you're in opposition to God. So give no opportunity. When we refuse to live in the spirit, we position ourselves in opposition to God. James said, God resists or opposes the what? The proud. Pride is the nature of the enemy. Humility is the nature of Jesus. Who do you want to become more like? Think about that. We're never more like the enemy than when we're prideful and we're never more like Jesus than when we're humble. So who are we trying to become like? God gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. God gives grace, greater grace, more grace. James said it in verse six, he gives more grace. And in that grace, guess what? We give the devil no opportunity. No, don't give him an opportunity in your life. Number two, give no advantage. No advantage. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Take advantage. What does that mean? That means to gain or to, to obtain. It also means a hostile takeover. Think about that. Advantage. To gain or obtain an advantage so that there can be a hostile takeover. The enemy's looking for an advantage. We give the devil an advantage when we are ignorant of his devices, when we are ignorant of his plans, when we are ignorant of things going on around us. To be ignorant means a lack of understanding and lack of discernment. And Romans 12, 2 tells us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you will know, you will understand. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What is that? Worship. Worship was never supposed to be a small part of your life. Worship was not for one Sunday. It's all days. And for some, if you would just start here in worship, you would find freedom. Well, that's just not my character. God put it in your DNA to worship. It's in your DNA to worship. And if you don't worship God, you will worship something or someone. It is innate in our character, in our nature to worship, to put our affections on something bigger than us, to put our trust in something other than ourselves. It's been put inside of us. And whether that is, uh, whether that is our giftings, whether that is our family, whether it's an individual, whether it's a job, whether it's whatever we put our full faith in and our trust in can become an idol to us that we worship, that we give all of our time to, that we give all of our affection to. You were created to worship. It's how you were wired, but you were created to worship in spirit and in truth. You have the advantage. 
When you have the word and worship, you have the advantage. Don't give it away. Give the devil no advantage. Resist him. Come on, put that in the chat. Resist him. Don't give it away. You have the advantage. So no opportunity, no advantage. Give no permission. Man, this is a key right here. Mark chapter five says, Jesus comes in the land and he encounters a man full of demons. Now for some of us, that may freak us out a little bit. For some that even in church, they just refuse to talk about the demonic. Can I be real with you for a second? And you know, if I ask you, that just means I'm going to anyway, right? How can people sit in church every single week, refuse to acknowledge the demonic, yet listen and watch demonic things all week long? They've given up their advantage. They've given up their, their they've opened an opportunity for the enemy. They're giving permission. Well, when Jesus comes against this man that's full of demons, his name is Legion, he's full of demons, he's terrorized the town, he's screaming, he's cutting himself, like everyone in the whole region knows about this man, they've heard the screams, they've heard the cries, they've, they've seen him cut himself, that it's just completely pushed everyone away and there's fear in the land and Jesus comes and the man runs to Jesus. Now, does Jesus go, hey, I don't want to deal with this demonic stuff. This is crazy. This is weird. I just don't want to deal with it. I'm going to run away. No, Jesus sees the need and he knows he has the authority and he knows he has the permission from the father to do something about this man's issue. We can look at the demonic. We can look at people who are under the influence of, of the demonic and we can be overwhelmed at the demonic rather than the need of the person who's being oppressed or possessed or whatever. Jesus sees the need in this man and all of a sudden the spirits begin to beg him not to send them to some distant place, but send us into those swine. The spirits begged him, send us in. Send us in. My name is Legion. We are Legion for we are many. Begging Jesus for permission to go into the swine. And what does Jesus do? He gives permission. The evil spirits come out. They enter the pigs. They go down the hillside into the lake. They drown. Everybody's mad. The farmer's mad now because his pigs are dead. Nobody cares that the man who is terrorizing a whole region has been set free. And Jesus did it with just a word. Why are we afraid of something that we've been given authority over? Think about that for a second. And the only reason why we would, be, we would fear it and not take authority over it is if we had allowed the enemy permission to come into our lives to bring that fear. The enemy doesn't want you to confront evil. He doesn't even want you to recognize evil because he wants you to look at evil and begin to call evil good and then to be called good evil. That's happening in our world right now. Good is being called evil and evil is being called good, but evil is evil and good is good. Truth is truth. It's not dictated by a culture or relevancy of a time. Truth is truth. It spans generations. The key to no opportunity is to live in the spirit, not the flesh. 
The key to no advantage is the word and worship more than the world. The key to no permission is submission to the authority of Christ. Catch that. The key to no permission to the enemy is submission to the authority of Christ. Not just an acknowledgement of it, but submission to it. See, we give the devil permission when we choose to disobey God's authority. Acts chapter 19, seven guys decide they can cast out an evil spirit. I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the evil spirit responded, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Who are you? Think about it. If you were to come alongside and there's this situation happening and you're wanting to cast out demons, would the demons look at you and say, who are you? Or would they look at you and say, hey, that's Dallas. Hey, that's Scott. They preach Jesus. Hey, that's Angela. Hey, that's John. Hey, that's Keisha. Hey, that's Damara. Like they preach Jesus. Or would the demons say, who are you? I mean, I know them and I know Jesus, but who are you? Think about it for a second. They were overwhelmed, stripped naked and sent out. Like they were embarrassed. They tried to invoke a name that they had no authority to invoke because they had not submitted to the authority of Christ. Listen, if you are in Christ, you have legal authority, legal permission. The enemy walks about deceiving and lying to attempt to get our permission. And we say no permission. He tried to get Jesus's permission in the wilderness. Permission to enter in, permission to influence him, permission to give him certain things. The enemy was looking for Jesus to give him permission. Yet Jesus submitted to the Father. How do we know he was submitted to the Father? He was baptized. The Father's voice comes and says, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Man, the dove descends, which means what? It means Jesus was submitted to the Father, given legal authority by the Father filled with the Holy Spirit, and then answers the devil with the word. Basically, Jesus is like, no permission on all fronts. I'm submitted to the will of the Father. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe that, read, Jesus is baptized. He goes into the wilderness and says he goes into the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's ready. He's got permission of the Father and the will of the Father. He's submitted to that will, not my will, but your will be done. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes in with the authority from the Father. And what does he do? Every time the enemy comes, boom, it's the word. Boom, it's the word. Boom, it's the word. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he's just bringing the word, bringing the word, and basically saying no permission. You get no permission, no opportunity, no advantage, no permission. See, when the enemy comes, is Christ our authority? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Do we know the word enough to refuse his asking? Give no permission. And fourthly, give no place. Give no place. So what do we got? We got no opportunity, no advantage, no permission. Give no place. Ephesians chapter 4 Let's go there real quick. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 25. We're talking about give no place. 
Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary edification that may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Give the devil no place. James said it, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, lament, mourn your laughter, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, giving the devil no place. We must humble ourselves. What does that mean, Scott? It means that we have to call our sin, sin. It's not my mistake, it's my sin. See, listen, breakthrough escapes us when we refuse to own our sin. Not mistakes, not, well, I was just raised that way. Mm -mm. Sin. Jesus died for sin. And I have to own mine and I have to confess it. And when I humble myself, it's me. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Purify me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Then guess what? The devil has no place. He can't deal with that. He has no place. When you own it, when you say, Lord, it's not everybody else. It's not my mom. It's not my dad. It's not this person, this person. It's not that situation. It's not my boss. It's not this. It's me, Lord. It's me. Forgive me, Lord. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. I turn away from all of that. The devil can't deal with that. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's that quote. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And be sober, be vigilant. Here it comes. For your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What do we do with that? Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. You're not alone. The same things that are coming against you is coming against somebody else in the world. Resist the devil. It's it's not just you. It's not just you. There's something wrong with all of us. There's not just something wrong with you. There's something wrong with all of us, and it's called sin. But guess what? There is a cure for that ill. There is a cure for that sickness, and it's Jesus. It's his blood. It's his sacrifice. It's his atonement. It's his resurrection. It's his sending of the Holy Spirit that our spirit now bears witness with his spirit that we are children of God. Now to our promise, Romans chapter eight. Romans eight, 
If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Come on, put it in the chat right now. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Listen, I'm giving you my guts today. Come on, I'm giving you everything I got. Let's go. Tell me. I'm with you. I'm with you, Scott. I'm with you. Well, Scott, this isn't live. You don't see these things. I see them every single week. You can ask Dallas. You can ask him. I watch YouTube and I watch Facebook. I see all the comments. Sometimes I'll comment on your comments. I see all of it. I am fully engaged with this conversation, not only right now, but also when you guys are as well. I'm fully engaged with what is happening. We are not disconnected from you. We are connecting. We are reaching as far as we can without being in person to be right where you are, okay? Come on, give it to me again. I'm with you. I'm with you. Romans chapter 8. Paul spends most of Romans 8 talking about living in the spirit and not in the flesh, giving the devil no room, being led by the spirit, being filled with the spirit. The devil gets no room, no permission, no advantage, no opportunity, no place. Okay, Romans 8 really, it doesn't say it in any header, but it really is about giving the devil no place. And he says this in Romans 8, 28. And we know this very well, but again, we know it sometimes out of context. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together. How? Give no room to the devil. Because look how Paul finishes this thought. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? He's talked about all these things. Our spirit bears witness. We're children of God. Live in the, live in the spirit, not in the flesh. You know, your war isn't against flesh and blood. He's going through all these different things. And he's talking about suffering for the gospel and sonship through the spirit of God and all these different things. And he says, listen, it's going to all work together if you just keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, keep your eyes on Jesus. Give the devil no room. God's going to work everything together. God knew it ahead of time. God saw it ahead of time. God's working it all together. What then shall we say to all these things? And here's what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who's even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword is written for your sake. We are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, depth, any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Give the devil no room. You know, the innkeeper said, there's no room in the inn for that baby. And now we live somewhat in the spirit of that innkeeper. Only we flip the script now. No room. There's no room for you, devil. No room. There's no room in my life. There's no room in my home. There's no room in my family for you. You will not bring that into my home 
into my life, into the temple of the Holy Spirit. I won't give you permission. I won't give you an advantage. I won't give you an opportunity. I will give you no place. Listen, don't just experience God. Know him. Give the devil no opportunity. Don't just hear the word. Do the word. No advantage to the devil. Don't just acknowledge the authority of Christ. Submit to it. Gives the devil no permission. And listen, don't be sorry. Humble yourself and repent and give the devil no place. Leave no room in your life for the devil. Let me read it again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, not given any place to the devil, to those who are called according to his purpose. Keep our eyes on Jesus and the devil gets nothing. Well, Scott, I'm not, I'm not evil. I, I'm not a bad person. That's really not the statement or the question. The question is, have we fully submitted to Jesus? Fully. Does he have complete rule and authority in our lives? And if so, that means now the devil has no opportunity, no advantage, no permission and no room, no place. Give the devil no room. And the best way to do that is to humble yourself before the Lord. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God right now. Draw near to God. Like this is our prayer time right now. It's not me praying for you. It's me leading you to draw near to God right now. Man, God, I'm broken. I'm messed up. Man, I'm prideful. I've been arrogant. I've taken you for granted. I've turned worship into a song on a Sunday morning. I've lost my way. I need you, Lord. The devil's had an advantage, an opportunity, and I've given him permission. and I've given him place. And I reject him in all areas of my life right now. Where there is no longer an opportunity for him. He has no advantage. I know. I'm not ignorant of his devices. I know. No more permission and no more place in my life. Jesus, you can have it all. You're my all in all, Jesus. I want to be submitted to you. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to declare your word. I want to worship you with my life. And I want to give no room to the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let this word sink deep into you. Let us know what God's doing in your life. Please, 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 please let us know what God is doing in your life. Let us know what has happened to you today. What did the Lord say to you? What did the Lord do in your life today? What commitment did you make today to the Lord? Media Hub at thpshreport.com. We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you through whatever portion of your journey you're on. We want to help you uh, and equip you and comfort you and love you. In Jesus' name, God bless you guys.